Thank you for joining us today on Positively Charged Biz. We are here to motivate, inspire, and support our listeners as they write their life stories. We are a proud founding member of the Real Disrupt Podcast Collaborative, and you can check out more awesome podcasts at realdisrupt.com. And for more inspiration, go to Amazon.com and purchase my latest book, Say Yes Every Day, Discovering Your Superpower. Hey, everyone. I hope you are having a positive and productive day. I am very excited for our guest today, and I had the pleasure of having her on my Thrive Thursday show. And after hearing her amazing story, I knew I had to hear more. I would like to introduce you all to Regina Gibbons. She is the founder of Why Not, where the vision is to ultimately eliminate the doubting of why and replace it with Why Not. Why Not is a nonprofit volunteer-driven community support group providing mentoring programs for middle and high school youth in the Washington, D.C. metro area. The program is designed out of a direct need for the growing number of youth that are struggling in school, facing social issues, and heavily entangled in the juvenile court system. Well, Regina, we are thrilled to have you with us today. And on Positively Charged Biz, we like to start at the beginning. So please share with us, what was that pivotal moment in your life where you were inspired to start? Why not? Well, Laura, first, let me say thank you for having me on um, this show today. And so... (laughs) The pivotal moment. I was on a train ride uh, going to my everyday job and two young ladies were sitting in front of me and they were having a conversation that I potentially at my age wouldn't have with my friends. And I know I wouldn't have it out loud in such a public setting. So as I'm listening to the conversation, I'm really thinking hard about which way I should do, which way I should go. Because this can go one of two ways. I can let them continue to talk and embarrass themselves the way they are, or I could step up and say something. But even in thinking about stepping up and saying something, you know, we're in a time where that's not necessarily the best thing to do, or I would even go with that's not even the smartest thing to do. However, the conversation continued and my cheeks start getting more and more flustered. And I felt like, okay, I, I just can't. I can't let this go on because if this was my daughter, if this was my cousin, if this was someone that I knew, um, I would want someone to to stop them. So I got up and I went over to them and I start talking to them about their conversation. And, you know, I'm looking at the faces of some of the older people on the train with me and how, you know, just totally embarrassed they were. So I start telling the young ladies, you know, this is not the type of conversation you should have at the age of 12 because they couldn't be any more than 12 or 13. And um, so, I'm, you know, I'm just telling them that, you know, you're queens and you should treat yourself as queens and you shouldn't allow anyone else to treat you differently. And, you know, just just this conversation is not is not one that I, I think is will be approved of by your parents. And so, of course, I got the, well, you don't know me and you don't know my parents, so you don't know anything and you can't. And I said, you're absolutely right. I don't know you. I don't know anything about your family. But what I do know 
is what I see. And what I see are two beautiful young ladies who should be talking about their future and where you plan on going. And matter of fact, you should even be talking about playing on the playground or playing with dolls or what's the next game you're going to play or or what's the next game you're going to invent something of that sort but this conversation is just not one that i think i would like for you to have in front of all these people and so you know they calmed down a little bit but i could still tell you know they really weren't totally buying in so i got off the train and standing in the train station i called my friend and i said listen I'm going to start a nonprofit because I realized today that our young people need us and they need all of us. It can't be one, two, three, four. They need everyone. And so I'm going to be one of those people. So I went into work that day and hopefully my boss doesn't watch this because I don't think I did a, a lick of work that day. Not one lick of work. I sat there and I wrote out my mission. I wrote out my vision. I wrote out some of the programming that I wanted to do. I wrote out the people that I was going to need to have involved. and. That day is when Why Not was born. Wow. When was that, Regina? That was 2018. Okay, 2018. And, you know, the the thing, and I love, you know, hearing those pivotal moments because we all have those. We all have those moments in time where we have a decision to make. We We could either go right or we could go left or we could just stay on the path that we're on. And depending on which road or path we take will affect the future, our future, other futures. And that's why we all are faced with those decisions, you know, here and there. And you decided, okay, I know what needs to be done because this is bigger than me. It's much bigger than me. Okay. So take us on the journey. So now you've got your plan or at least you're, you know, you're kind of writing it out and you're, you're looking at this scope in terms of a strategy. What was the reaction initially from people? Was it Regina? Don't be silly. You don't know anything about a nonprofit or was it? Yes, go for it. You know, what happened? Um, so, so it was more like, uh, oh, she's about to do it. Because I'm definitely one of those people that if I set my mind to something, you can't tell me I can't do it. There, there's nothing you can tell me that I can't do because I, I could do anything. That, that's yes, my mindset. <laughs> and that's my mindset. It always has been. I can do anything. So, you know, most people were like, I knew you'd find your way back to education one way or another. Um, so, you know, you kind of run from things that you know are your purpose because you just you just run from them because you think you could do something different. And um, so I didn't have any resistance. Everyone was like, oh, boy. So, OK, what do I have to do? And where are you going to need me? And what what's my role? And, you know, so it was very it was very well received, um, you know, and I don't think most people will tell you I volunteered them that they had to do something instead of volunteered them. I don't agree. I think I just ask very aggressively. So um <laughs> they just decide to say yes. Well, I think you were showing such passion that people kind of knew, listen, I'm I'm in this vortex of Regina pulling me in here, <laughs> right? Into her mission and into her passion. And for the most part, people will say yes to that because they right. believe in you and they believe in the ultimate mission. So that's fantastic. I love that. Okay. And you know, you re- you said something 
very, very awesome a moment ago. You said most people run from their purpose Mm -hmm. because they think that they should be doing something else or they go in like another direction. So can you expand on that point? So I started as an educator. Um, I, I, I think I've taught all my life. I, I really do. You know, I tell the story. I'm the only child. So I taught my teddy bears. Like I have the smartest teddy bears on the face of the earth. Nobody's teddy bears are smarter than mine because I taught them everything that they know. Um, and so I got into education. Both of my parents were educators and I got into education. I taught um, most of my degrees deal with education. I taught and I said, you know, ah, the politics of education are just it's just not what I want. It's not what I want, because I just feel like some of the things that we're teaching these young people, you know, they're worried about where their next meal is coming from, not how to get to Rome tomorrow because they're not going. So that's not really, it really wasn't fulfilling to me. Yes, it was fulfilling to see their eyes light up when they learned five plus five equal 10. All of that was fulfilling, but the pressure we put on them was standardized testing and all these other things. It just, it just wasn't for me. So I said, okay, I'll start counseling. Okay, I'll counsel. So I did that for a little bit. And then I realized that it was beginning to take a little more out of me than I was able to give because I was all in. I was all into the counseling. And, you know, that is a very, um, it's a very torturous profession if you allow it to be. Mm -hmm. Um, So then I stopped doing that. And so then I got into somehow doing statistics. And I I don't even know how I went from (laughs) education to statistics. I was good at it. So I got into working in higher ed and doing surveys and things of that sort. And I stayed in that for a little bit, but there was still something missing. So I started coaching. Okay. I I played softball. So I coached softball. So that brought me back to the whole education place. And I'm like, okay, so I'm just really not going to get away from this thing with young people. Like there's something here with me and young people. So I guess I'm going to have to revisit this. So I started tutoring in schools and I started mentoring in schools and I started volunteering with programs that needed mentors. And I said, okay, well, all right, I got it. I I get what my purpose is. My purpose is to serve and I'm going to serve young people. And so that's kind of how it came full circle for me. I, I love that. And I have a feeling that everyone listening has a similar story that relates to their purpose. And I think you're right. I think at times in our lives, we think, oh, no, you know, I'm going to go pivot and I'm going to go do this. But you keeps wrapping back to what that original purpose was. And that's kind of ties into our particular gifts and, and you know, me with my superpowers of what we really are supposed to be sharing with the world. So I think as soon as we recognize that and kind of start to lean into that, everything falls into place. Okay. So let's speak about why not. Okay. Let's dive a little bit more into, okay, so now you've got your plan. People are supporting you. You're putting people in the right places and you're implementing. Tell us kind of what was it like at first? Because we all know whenever you start anything, it's a lot of tweaking. It's a lot of adjusting. It's a lot of, okay, all right, that plan didn't work, but we're going to revise it. We're going to do this. And I also want to know the pandemic 
And everything that transpired, you know, take me through that initial beginning and what you had to tweak and and fine tune. And then here you get pushed with 2020 and having to adjust there. What adjustments did you need to do to the organization to get past that? Okay. So 2018, I spent most of my time figuring out what Why Not was going to look like, what type of programs we were going to offer, how we were going to offer it. How am I going to get into the school system? I'm new to the Maryland area, so I don't have the same type of connections I have in my New Jersey roots or even in my Virginia roots because I've been there for so long. So now I have to start figuring out, okay, who's going to be the people to get me where I need to go? Um, So had lots of conversations with with any and everybody who would listen, um, just just continue to talk, 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 talk. And when I started teaching in in Maryland, I had a principal. Her name was Beth Lynn. And Beth Lynn, when I when I decided not to teach anymore, the one thing she said to me was that you always have a home. here. This is always your home. And so I said, okay, I'm going to use her as my pilot to figure out what it is I need to do. So I went to I went to Bethlehem and I said, listen, I want to start a nonprofit. I want to use your group. Um, I want to use the school. This is what I want to do. Tell me what I must do to get in here. So I went through the pro- process of getting a partnership with Prince George's County, did all of that. It was not easy. I will say it was not easy. Um, there were some ups, some downs, some lost documents, some redone documents, some documents I had to send four or five times, but we made it through. We made it through, um, got there, ran my first program. We had six kids. Okay. We sent permission slips home to everybody in the school and we had six kids. And I said, well, this don't seem right. Like what? All these kids and we only have six. I said, but you know what? Who's supposed to be here is here. So we ran the first cohort with our six kids and everyone was excited. Parents were excited because we do an introduction in the beginning. We run our four sessions and then we have a graduation. They have a graduation. They get a certificate. We take pictures. We give them pizza. You know, we do the whole graduation. So Beth says, okay, but when are we going to run the second cohort? I said, okay, let's give it two weeks. Let me think about some things, figure out why we didn't have as much participation as we should have, so on and so forth. Came back in two weeks and I said, okay, this is what I want to do. I want to have an assembly and I want to call all the kids in and I want to talk about what they're getting into before they get into it. Mm -hmm. And so she did that. We called the assembly. We talked about why not. Had a little program, sent permission slips home that day. Next cohort came around. We had 45 kids. Mm -hmm. And so I said, okay, so this is a little better. We have 45, cohort two, yes, let's go. Same process, went through the introduction, went through the sessions, went through the uh, the graduation, parents excited, kids excited, mentors excited, because as you go through the program, once you finish, you're paired with the mentor. Okay. And so that's the piece I think that everyone really was looking forward to. So I had one young man who he seemed to be the trouble kid. Everybody knew his name in school. And so he was in the program. And so by the sixth week of that program, his teacher came to the after school and said in front of everybody, I'm not sure what it is this program is doing, but you've made a difference in him. 
and I appreciate it. And all you could do is see him smiling from fate, from ear to ear. And I'm thinking, that's what this is all about. That's oh. what it's all about. And so um, second cohort, 45. Then now it's time for the third cohort. And we are at 2019, March yep. now. Time for the third cohort. We're all geared up, ready to go. Now I have four or five schools under my belt. Everybody's excited. We're ready to go. And school closed. Oh. Because now we are in a pandemic. Oh, boy. So, hmm. <laughs> now, what do you do? What do you do? Everyone's scrambling around and, and you can't get into the school system. And so now it's like, okay, all right. Everything comes to a screeching halt. Huh. Okay, so, yeah, we can't stop. So guess what? Let me up my Zoom account. Let me up my Teams account. Let me up my Google Meet account. And we're going to turn everything virtual. So everything that we did face-to-face, we now do virtual. And, and I think what it's done for me, unfortunately and fortunately, is giving me more time to think. Right. So now... Anything that comes to my mind, I create a program. If someone says, hey, let's do um, uh, horseback riding something. Okay, well, we'll figure out how to do a virtual and we'll do it. <laughs> that's so that, that's, that's the downside of the pandemic for me because I have that brain that doesn't stop. So I've run, pro, I've, we've done baking classes. We've done a chess club. We've done sign language. Um, we're, we do our regular programming. We are in the process of gearing up for a makeup works a oh. works workshop. We're going to do a spoken word series. We do parent power series every other Monday when we talk to parents about things such as financial literacy, um, suffering in silence. So yeah. all we did was just take everything and turn it virtual and add about 900 other items. <laughs> there <laughs> you go. Just 900. All right. So now let's go backwards because okay. there were definitely some fantastic entrepreneurial business lessons that you did in that, in that example. Okay. So right. first off for everybody out there, you know, we all, we all have dreams and goals and we want to accomplish lots of things. And people always say, well, where do I start? And what's my next step? Right? Well, let's, go back to some of the things that Regina said. Okay. So the first thing is Regina had passion and her mission because, you know, she heard the young ladies on the train and she decided she need to do something about it. Right? right. So when we're starting our businesses or we're working in our businesses, we have to have that passion for whatever it is, right? Whatever it is in our, in our career. So there's one. So then she started making her plan. And yes, when we start our businesses or when we're pivoting into something else, we're strategizing and we're coming up with those plans. That's still probably pretty easy. When we're excited and we're limitless, we can make those plans. And now we're staring at that plan and we're like, okay, now we have to execute this plan. Now we have to figure out what to do next. And let's look at what Regina did. And this is very, very important because this is exactly what we need to do. In our lives, we are continually building relationships. We are continually networking, whether it's online, in person, people that we have met, whether it's family, friends, business associates. It is so vital that we keep 
building those relationships and we continue to nurture those relationships, not just when we need something, but also when we don't need something, when it's just checking in or being there for someone or supporting them. Because what Regina did is, although she was in a new area, she thought back, well, hey, I was told this is home base. This is somewhere that I always will be welcomed. And she reached out and said, well, who better to execute, to learn the right way to go than somewhere that I already have that relationship. And that's what we all need to do. We don't need to necessarily start going through the forest and macheteing to make our path. We can bond with the people that we know we trust and have those relationships to work through before we get the machete out. So she built, she went to home base and she got her six kids. Okay. Which is wonderful. Six kids is a great start, but she didn't stop there. She then analyzed and she measured and she came up with a thought of, well, how do we grow this? How do we make this bigger? And she went again. She didn't just come up with the idea. She said, let me do this. She wasn't afraid to speak up. She wasn't afraid to ask for what she needed because ultimately she knew she was going to help people. So when you believe in your product, when you believe in your service, when you believe in what you're offering to the world, don't be afraid to ask because that's not selling. That's not begging. That's not any of those things because you are making, you're, you're adding value. And you're making the world a better place, whether it is a product, a service, a program, whatever it is. So she asked and she was able to get up at that assembly. And then the story of the gentleman that was the trouble child because, you know, he was struggling. Well, we all know the reason why some of those struggles happens is because there might be a missing component or some type of difficulty happening And she was able to make a difference with her program, which ultimately fueled to grow the program and do more. And then a pandemic came. It came for all of us. And we all had to look at our businesses and see how we can maneuver in this new world. And Regina, following up question to that. So, you know, and I know we discussed this on Thrive Thursday. So going forward, okay, so now vaccines are happening. Herd immunity hopefully will be here, you know, at some point in 2021. So now fast forward, take me into 22, 23, you know, beyond this. What do you think why not will look like based on the lessons you learned coming through the pandemic and the virtual? What do you think, you know, it would look like in the future once we don't have these concerns? Well, just like everything else, there are different modalities that should happen. Um, You have those people who will continue to stay virtual, and I'm okay with that. So we'll continue to offer virtual programming. But you also have those people that want to have that close interaction where we sit in a room and we talk about what's going on. We'll have that also. So what if if 2020 and, and beyond hasn't taught me anything else? It's taught me not to be rigid, not to be set in one way. To understand that just like everyone has different learning styles, there are different business models and business strategies that we should implement as well. The ability to be virtual and go worldwide, 
who would take that away? That that just would not make any sense to me because, you know, programs that we only could touch maybe 100, we've been touching four and 5,000. So it does not make sense to take that piece of why not away. So now why not has now decided already that we're going to stay virtual and we're also going to be face to face when the, when that time comes. We will have the the ability to do both and we will be capable of doing both. Even when we run face to face programs, we will probably live stream them so that we get that same type of um interaction from the west coast from africa from europe from russia wherever we need to get it but that's that's kind of where we're headed that's fantastic that is, that is wonderful so now you know you had mentioned that they go through the program and they get to the mentor you know after completing the program so you know we speak a lot about you know when i speak to people on the business side people continually say the value of both actually having a mentor and Mm -hmm. being a mentor, you know, later in life. So give me your opinion or what you have seen in terms of the value of both, you know, having a mentor and being a mentor. So for me, since I've, I've been a mentor, one thing that I do different in my program. And the reason why the young people go through the program first is I do it that way so that they're prepared for the mentor. Not let's just, oh, let's see what do you have for homework? Okay, how was your day? We're gonna, we're gonna really dive into what may be causing you some issues, what may be causing you some angst, what may be causing you problems. So if you go through this program, talk about self-motivation, self-care, self-dedication, being determined. Now I have some key points that we can continue to build upon versus me trying to pull out of you what it is you need to know. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think, first of all, having a mentor, you know, for a lot of us, we don't want to talk to our parents about most things. Um, We talk to them. Yes, we give them the information that they need to know. But we don't give them the information that, you know, may help us get out of wherever it is we may be. Um, A lot of times you just want that outside listening ear. You want that person that you don't feel is going to judge you, that person you don't feel knows you. So whatever you tell them, they have nothing to measure it against. Um, Being a mentor, it gives you the satisfaction of knowing that you are able to assist in whatever capacity, whether it's career whether it's just helping you get back on track in school, whether it's being just that advocate for you, being your cheerleader. Um, So for me, being a mentor always meant that I could advocate for someone else Mm. because I've always had people advocating for me. Yeah, that's that's a very good point. And it's interesting, you know, it is it March uh, when we're speaking right now is is Women's Month. Right. And I was reading an article about, you know, how to support women in their in their roles and their careers. And they actually speak a lot about having a sponsor which is a word that I honestly have not heard that that word of having a sponsor within organizations to guide young women, you know, through their career paths. But is that another thing, like another layer that you've seen? Um, I think it, I think when you get into the career field, it is because now you, you have someone who's walked the exact path that you're trying to walk. It's as if I wanted to be um, CEO of Johnson & Johnson. Well, I'm going to follow the path of whatever women that came before me 
that got into the VP role, got into the senior VP role and how they did it so that I can tread that same trail. Um, so that that's kind of I think a sponsor and a mentor can go hand in hand, to be honest. Yeah. yeah. I love that. Now you also have some type of leadership program, right? Do you? Yeah. Yes. So speak to us about that. Well, it's brand new. Um, okay. It's called the Top T Leadership Program. It's uh, training outstanding, well, transitioning outstanding people to excellence. Huh. And and once again, this is one of those things that I sat down and I said, hmm, what else can we offer? Oh, let's offer a leadership academy. Okay. And so we're going to offer the Top T Leadership Academy. It starts the end of April. Um, I am a commissioner of a softball organization, and that's partly where some of this started because I watched some of my young ladies and I watched them lead and not understand that they're ah. leading. And so for me, I felt like if I can show them how to use that, that natural born leadership skills that they have, they will be unstoppable because they're already leading and don't even realize that people are following them. And I think for me, it brought back a lot of memories because a lot of times people used to say I was that person, but I never even looked at myself as being a leader. I was just me. And so if you happen to follow me, okay. And if you didn't, okay. Um, so the the Top T Leadership Program came out of that. So we've been sending emails to guidance counselors for them to, you know, um, give us names. And right now we have about 63 names. Wow. That's young great people. already. That's fantastic. Right. But our first cohort, I only planned on taking 25. So once again, now I have to go back and rethink this to see if I'm going to accept everyone or if I'm going to stick with my 25, because there is a criteria. There's an application. They need recommendations. They need to have their transcript because, you know, leadership comes at a cost. It comes at a cost and it comes at a price. And you need to be held to that standard of whatever our our um, top tier is going to be. I love that. That That is fantastic. And listen, uh, that's so rewarding of, you know, especially young people. I mean, you can, you know what they say. I mean, you can pick out the leader in the room and that right. doesn't necessarily mean that they are even trying to, because it's just natural. It's something that right. you recognize. So that's fantastic to be able to help our, our future leaders to recognize that, lean into it and embrace that. So that's right. fantastic. So Regina, can you just listen, people connect with stories and people connect with, uh, you know, kind of seeing the end in mind, right? So right. can you share with us what are, you know, what are a few stories that you've seen or even just one story of, of seeing the difference in the program has made for, for one of your students? I mean, I think the biggest one is just watching the young man who was struggling and he was really struggling. I had his grades and everything. He was really having a hard time in school, but he was a very good football player. Too. Okay. So I think that also helped because the mentor that he had would go to his games. Uh -huh. He would go to his games. He would cheer him on. I, I've even been out to one of his games. Um, so just watching him and he was in at that time, he was in third third grade. Okay. So he's now in sixth grade. And just knowing that he made it to sixth grade, um, because 
there was some talk about putting him out of the school. Oh, because wow. it it was it had gotten that bad. So knowing that he's made it to sixth grade in that same school, and now he's a, a student advocate, like he's doing all of the things that everybody knew he could do, just didn't know how to get out of him. For me, I think that's one of the most positive things that has come out of why not. And I'm sure there are many more stories. You know, we, we've done the prom boutique and we've had young people crying because they didn't know how their parents were going to be able to afford a dress and they walk out with the dress shoes and accessories. Um, so, you know, just for me, being able to help and helping genuinely with no strings attached, no need for anyone to say thank you, no recognition needed. I do it from a place of, I just want it to be done because we have the means to do it. Once again, serving for me is fulfilling enough. So when I watch somebody smile as they're picking out their dress or watch somebody smile as they get their backpack or just even with my chess club, watch them learn how to play chess. And I'm on the I'm on the, the site watching them. I'm on Zoom watching them. And they know that the pawn has to go diagonal to take the other pawn or take a piece and watching them play one another and having the conversation E4 to your C7. <sighs> that for me, all of that is very fulfilling because I mean, you know, it's, it's opportunities, just opening up opportunities for anyone. Well, you're is, expanding is, their world, right? You're literally sure. expanding their world. And, sure. and I think that's part of what even the virtual has done, you know, when you speak about going to Russia or Europe or, you know, whatever, right? You, you're expanding all of this world into a smaller place and you're um, showing them things that maybe they would have never been exposed to. And right. they realize they realize that they have an opportunity to be part of it. And that right. is wonderful. You know, I, I read something else on your website where the programs where, and a few of them, I just, because I was like amazed by them, where one was like, mind your manners. And one was defying the impossible and cover girl diva, um, right. you know, like what are those programs? And like, like, tell us a little bit about that. So Cover Girl Diva is the program we run in the schools. It's for young ladies. And Diva stands for Divine, Inspirational, Virtuous, and Anointed. And those are the characteristics that we want them to walk out with. And then the, the counterpart to that is Like My Swag, which is for young men. And that's sealed with a gift. So we tell them that, you know, no matter what your gift is, you have one. We just have to figure out what it may be. Um, and then when you talk about Mind Your Manners, it's an etiquette program because, you know, we, we've taken etiquette out of everything. Yeah. We've taken etiquette out of social media. We've taken etiquette out of just being out in public. So we go back to teaching young people about how to set the table as a young man, how you pick up your date. You don't go to the house and just blow the horn. You go to the door and you ask for her to come out and you make sure that you talk to the father or the male figure that's in the house. And if there is not one, you talk to the adult in the house. You don't just text her and say, hey, I'm here. Come on. Yeah. No, we're going back to the basics. Going back. Wow, to the Regina, basics. congratulations on that. I love it. I love it. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm young at heart, but I grew up in a time where all of those things mattered. Um, and well, it's so just, for me, it's just a level of respect and it, it's actually right. interesting too, because, you know, we, of course, 
here we are in the world where, you know, women are, are paving their way and becoming the CEOs and become, and sometimes people say, well, then the man shouldn't, you know, the boy shouldn't go and knock on the door because you're an independent. No, 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 no. We're not (laughs) basic manners still apply. Right. Right. It is still a level of respect and kindness to hold the door open for the young lady as she's that has there's we're we're blurring things here. Right. Right. Those things. It is still proper etiquette and manners to take care of the young lady and make sure that she is put on a pedestal. That is that is the right way to conduct yourself as a young gentleman. So I love that. And that is that is something that. It's just missing. I don't know why it's missing. I'm not really sure where it went, but I love that you're doing that because now I, I have to ask, how is that? Re- how is that received? I'm just curious. So parents have to force their children to be in the program. <laughs> they have to force their children to be in the program. But once I they get feeling. in, yeah, once they get in, I mean, they understand the purpose of it because they know it sets them apart. It makes them different. It makes them, in their mind, it makes them the prince. It makes them the princess. And so that's kind of how we 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 sell the program. Listen, this is a stepping stool to if you want to go to college or university and you want to be in somebody's fraternity or sorority, these are things that you should know anyway. Why women wear pearls and things of that sort. You need to know this stuff. Um, so Doing it here, all it does is give you a leg up. So when you're at a formal event and you know how to set the table and you're looking at the table and it's incorrect, guess what? You knowing how to set it, someone's going to look at you and say, hmm, that young man or that young lady is going somewhere. Yeah, cultured. Yep. Absolutely. I love that. That That is so valuable, Regina. And it's interesting. Uh, again, like I said, I'm not sure why it fell by the wayside. I think everybody kind of was just saying, oh, it's, it's outdated. It's not progressive. But actually, right. those basic foundational manners, it's timeless. It doesn't matter right. what year it is. That's just respect and kindness and, and culture. And that will never expire, regardless of what generation. Right. And I think it fell by the wayside because life has gotten faster. Maybe you don't necessarily go out to dinner anymore and sit down and have a six course meal. You don't do those things no. much because life is too fast for that. Um, and and we're in the world of social media. We're in the world of texting. We're in the world of using our phone and not communicating, you know, writing a letter. I asked one of my young people, when's the last time you wrote a letter? And they said, never. So. <laughs> I have a funny story on that. My youngest son is 26 years old. He lives okay. on his own. You know, he has his job, lives on his own. He calls me this weekend and says, mom, I can't believe I'm asking you this question, but I don't know where to buy a stamp. Wow. Okay. Wait, <laughs> this is a highly educated, professional young man. <laughs> He says, I know I could go to the post office, but it's after hours. So that's not an option. So he's like, I Googled it. <laughs> I Googled where to buy a stamp. Exactly. He's like, but is it one stamp? Is it, do I buy multiple stamps? Like what? Right. My college educated <laughs> professional child. So 
He goes and gets a stamp at a at a drugstore. Okay, so at Walgreens, he was able to get a mm-hmm. stamp. He then he was mailing his best friend a congratulations wedding card. First time in his life he has ever mailed something at 26. Wow. So the that is so pivotal of something like that, what you just said about writing a letter, mailing something out. This generation, it's just it's foreign to them. Right. It's just foreign. It's it's something that, like you said, they text, they they email, they message on social media. But mm-hmm. actually mailing something to someone, they pay all their bills online. Everything yep. is done digitally, right? There's yep. no reason to mail anything. But look at that of just even preparing them for something like that that you would think is obvious, right? It's not. No. So kudos. No, it's not. It's not. <laughs> kudos for <laughs> teaching those things. Or even, I mean, even, look, listen, there are schools now, they don't teach cursive writing, right? No, I mean, they children don't. now are, they're not even learning how to write in cursive anymore. Because they said they don't have to sign anything. They don't sign checks. They don't sign letters. But you have to sign an application most times. Like there are some, you ha- there are some things you still should know how to write cursive for. So I disagree with that. I do too. That's the, that once again, that's where we are. Yeah. Where everything has turned into this digital world. Yeah. Well, I guess we just have to balance it. (laughs) I guess we just have to, right. We just have to know how to balance to be able to get the boat, the best out of both. So that's fantastic. But again, going back to what you've done and what you're providing, it's life-changing. It's generational life-changing because it's not just the kids you're working with. It's then their kids and so on and so forth, because the things that you're teaching it doesn't end with them. It continues right. on into generations to come. So just kudos to everything you are doing. And you Thank absolutely you. are just making the world a brighter place and affect having such a positive effect. So at this time, how can we learn more about why not? How can we support your efforts? So tell us how we can learn more. So we are on all of the social media channels that I just talked about. <laughs> so you can you can uh, reach us on Facebook at Why Not Inc., Twitter, uh, YouTube. We have Instagram. Half of them we have. I don't even know what they are, but I just know we're supposed to have them. So once again, you get the young people to do them for you. So we have the Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube, and all of it's at Why Not Inc. Um, our website is www.why whynotinc.org and that's Y-K-N-O-T inc.org. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for everything that you're doing for the world, Regina. We wish you all the best and, and be safe, be well, and take care of those kids. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Positively Charged Biz. I'm Laura Brandeo, and we are here to motivate, inspire, and support our listeners as they write their life stories. If you have an inspiring story, please email me at laura at positivelycharged.biz. And remember to subscribe to hear more great guests. And connect to us on Facebook at Positively Charged and Instagram at Positively Charged 
podcast. Until next time, we wish you a positive day.